let's just stay in that place that I believe we've entered into of being still before him and waiting. What I want to do, we seem to be plugging books every meeting. It's not a bad thing. So I'm going to give my offering tonight. It's a wonderful book by a woman called Wanda Alger, and it's moving from sword to scepter. Bert was speaking about the scepter, and it's really, we'll, we'll be looking at that. The subtitle is Ruling Through Prayer as the Ecclesia of God. Wow. Amen. The title alone is worth the, the price. The destiny image, you can get it on um, what's it, Amazon. And I'll give you my uh, link so you can, I'll get commission. I'm only kidding. But get that book. I'm, I'm being really blessed by it. I believe the Lord is saying from this time on, there are going to be two churches in Scotland. One church will be the church of man-made programs. Good ideas. Initiatives. Crusades, whatever. Zoom meetings, <laughs> technology, no, no, nothing wrong with these things. And they're wonderful tools. But the other church is going to be the church that God builds. The church that he builds according to the pattern. And it, it's, it's, the reason I'm saying that, you say, well, there's always been these two churches. But God, I believe, is telling us tonight, from now on, you're going to know the difference. And we need to know the difference. And we've all been caught up in ideas and initiatives and programs. In fact, I just threw some stuff out the other day of some people that have a great idea that never came to anything. And sometimes you make sure, well, the devil thwarts good plans and maybe he does but I'm reminded of the words of Jesus I will build my ecclesia and the governmental gates of hell shall not prevail against it so what God is building can't be stopped can't be thwarted can't be done away with and cannot be prevailed against God is calling us I believe at this time to be a governmental assembly in the earth. He's calling us to government. The word I'm hearing over and over and over in my spirit is the word governance. And Bert and Stevie have done their very best tonight to steal some of my message. But you know, we all say it in different ways, but it's the same message. And I, I don't apologize each well. We hear this every week. We will hear it every week until it clicks. I believe that's so important. God asked a question that he didn't leave for us to answer. He answered it himself. And that question is arguably the most important question that we, we ask today. And I'll tell you how we ask it, or we, we should be asking it, is because social media is full of it. 
the media is full of it. And we would ask the question, God's word has the question, then he immediately answers it, why do the nations rage? Why are they in a tumult? Why has the world gone mad? And do people imagine a vain thing? Why is there so much futility? Why am I seeing futility on my Facebook page? On my Twitter feed? When I switch the news on? Why are we seeing people going crazy? Why are we seeing this? And we might all have our theories, but God has no theories. He has only truth. And God gives us the truth when he says the kings of the earth set themselves. Or in other words, the kings of the earth take up a position. We've been speaking and and, uh, the poster says it, position. Where you're positioned today will determine what you walk in tomorrow. What are we positioned for? Who are we positioned with? But the kings of the earth take up a position. They set themselves. They've made a determined decision when they have these G8, G20, all these different governmental meetings that they have, including the Bilderbergers and all that. What are they meeting for? What's the agenda? Again, the Bible answers that question. It says against the Lord against Yahweh, against God the Father, and against his anointed. Or the Greek would say antichristos. Antichrist. They take up a position. They set themselves against God the Father and against his anointed, which is against Christ. And that's not just Jesus. That's you and I. Uh We're the anointed. We don't just speak about, uh, when we speak about Jesus or or about Christ reigning, about Jesus reigning, we speak about the corporate Christ reigning too. That's what we'll look at tonight. The government of the saints. Why do the nations rage? And why do people imagine vain things and get involved in futility? Because our rulers are against God and against his Christ. That's why. It says, Psalm 2, if you want to look it up, but you know where it is, I'm sure. These are what, this is what the kings are saying. This is what the rulers are saying. This is what the governments are saying. This is what Nicholas Sturgeon is saying. Sorry if I upset you there, Nicola fans. But this is really what most governments are saying. They're maybe not using these words, but this is God is revealing the heart of rulers. And he does it in his word. And they're saying this let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. What bands? Whose cords? 
They're trying to throw off restraints and boundaries and parameters that have been set for them. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You see, there are cords and bounds set by the councils of heaven upon the governments of the earth. And if you want to find out what those bonds and cords are, all you have to do is get into this. Because these words of God are the law and God's word to governments. Do you ever realize how much of this book is about governments? Exodus? Well, first of all, in Genesis, we, we see God cutting the covenant with Abraham, who is the father of many nations. This book is about nations and kingdoms and governments. It's not just God's personal love letter to you. It's nice to think that, but that's not really what it's about. We have to move out of that stage. God is looking for mature sons and daughters who will understand his purpose in the cosmos. Not just so that you can have a nice, cozy relationship. He's calling you to governance. And you know, we don't set infants, children, or even adolescents in charge of our governments, do we? We expect our rulers and our leaders to be mature. So this meeting of Arise Scotland is a call to maturity. You know, a mature son is actually a father in training, or a father. Maturity is not being an eternal child, it is becoming a father or a mother. And in John's epistle, he speaks those three stages of being young infants, adolescents, and fathers. God is calling everyone in this room to fatherhood, including you ladies. It's, it's not a gender thing. It's a maturity thing. And he says here, it says here, let their, let's break their bands asunder. That's government speaking. That's rulers speaking. That's what they're doing at these meetings. Their agenda. God has shown their agenda. And what they're saying at these meetings is, let's do away with all that Christian stuff. Let's not listen to all those holy willies anymore. Let's not have their rules and principles for running society. Let's have our own. Let's not have them defining marriage. Let's not have them defining the economy. Let's not have them telling us what gender is or, or what morality is. Let's cast their cords off. But God has an answer. And it's interesting the symmetry of Psalms because this is the second Psalm. And the first Psalm is all about your personal walk with God. Blessed is the man that shuns wickedness and evil companions and that old hymn, Yield Not to Temptation. Shun evil companions, bad language to say. I, I feel like singing it, but, but I, I won't torment you. No, no. He's saying, blessed is the man 
whose delight is in the law of the Lord. That's your personal walk with God. And then straight into Second Sam, here's what's wrong with the world. The God doesn't show us what's wrong. He doesn't show us the problem unless he has a solution. And the solution, and we can find it all through the word, but the symmetry of this is so wonderful that in Psalm 149, which is the second last book, he speaks on the same things. You know, and I, and I had, I put this on my Facebook a couple of weeks back, and I said, you can't read Psalm 2 without reading Psalm 149. And some person with a, possibly with a religious devil, <laughs> said, well, who says you can't? Who said you can't read Psalm 2? Where did you get that? Praise God for the un... <laughs> Praise God for the unfriend option. Amen? It's not that we unfriend people, but we just help them on their way. Anyway, Psalm 149. And you know, we're speaking tonight, and we've spoke before about it, how, you, you, let me just back up a wee bit here. What I'm preaching tonight, and what I'm, what I'm preaching these days in various places, I have not changed my message one bit since lockdown began or lockdown ended. You'll back me up. I've not changed my message. I'm preaching what I've preached for years. The same thing. The exact same thing. And even preaching at times, people, you can see people look at you going, that's a bit extreme. I've not changed my message one bit. But I tell you what's happened. It's become more relevant than ever. Things that I preached, including, I preached this a lot. But it's never been more relevant. Does that make sense? And as we press on in time, and, and we, we can talk about the last days, and I read the last days of the rapture at the minute. There's a verse in Genesis where Joseph says to his brothers, I go back to your father and bring your younger brother, bring Benjamin. And Benjamin, of course, was the only full-blooded brother of Joseph. And Rachel was their mother. And he says, you go and bring that boy back. He says, you'll not see my face unless you've got Benjamin with you. You'll not see my face unless you've got the son of my right hand with you. Because that's what Benjamin means. And his mother wanted to call him son of my sorrow because she, she, she died giving birth to him. And the labor was intense and horrible. And Joseph said, you're not going to see my face until Benjamin shows up. And of course, Joseph is a type of Jesus, as we all know. The greatest type, I believe, in the Bible, arguably more than, than David or on a par with David. But you see, the, uh, much of the church 
is saying right now, Jesus, please come back. We need the rats. Oh, Lord, oh, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go. And I believe Jesus is saying to us, the Lord of glory is saying to us, you'll not see my face until Benjamin comes forth. The younger brother, Manchel Company, who shares the cup. Remember when Joseph said to his servants, put the cup, the silver cup, in his satchel. Remember when Jesus said to the sons of Zebedee, they said, Lord, we want to sit at your right hand and your left. We want to share this throne with you. We want to share your glory. Does anybody want to share Jesus' glory tonight? I do. I want a throne, do you? I want a say in how planet Earth is run, and I don't want to wait until the rapture. Because if you're a child of God tonight, you've got dominion DNA, you've got governance in you because the Lord lives in you. And remember, even, even back when, when God created man, he said, let's make him in our likeness. What's the first thing God said that would prove that man was his likeness? Let them have dominion. Not let them be all loving and sweet and kind. Let them have dominion. The authentic mark of humanity is dominion and walking in divine authority. As Bert said last week, really stuck with me. We had to have a wee uh, confab to see if it was heretical, but we decided it was wonderful. Redeemed mankind is the highest level of creation below the Godhead. And Joseph said, you're not going to see my face until Benjamin is with you. And then, when Benjamin, the younger brother, came, Joseph said to him, God bless you, my son. God be gracious to you, my son. Joseph, who was Benjamin's older brother, is it the elder brother, adopted Benjamin and became a father to him. Because Benjamin shared the cup. And Jesus said to the sons of Zebedee, you, 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 can, you can sit with me in my throne. Where's up to the Father to decide if you can share my cup? And Benjamin had come forth in sorrow. And remember talking about the man-child. The woman that gave birth was in Severe labor, then gave birth to the man child. God is giving birth in the earth today to a Benjamin company man child, corporate overcomer, body of Christ in the earth today. That's why all these things, these things are the beginning of sorrows that's going on virus and the ramifications as Babylon, Leviathan, the beast system, whatever you want to call it seeks to clamp down on the people of God and snuff out the church, snuff out God's governmental assembly, that's hard. And it may get harder. But the gates of hell shall not prevail. That, that, that's not just Bill Gates. The governmental machinations of the Babylon Leviathan system in the earth 
which is the dragon manifest, the great serpent of old. How do we overcome that serpent? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We've been led, we've been led to plead the blood recently, haven't we? More than, I mean, we do that as Christians. But I really believe God is saying, plead the blood relentlessly. Not as some kind of lucky charm, but because that's how you go beyond the veil. The blood gives access to the glory. The blood is a, it opens that portal to glory land, and glory realms, and glory living, and glory manifestations. If you want the glory, plead the blood. That, and, and speaking about things that become more relevant, I, I've preached this loads. I love this psalm, Psalm 149. And it says here, verse 5, verse 4 says, The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. But verse 5 says, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. In their beds. Surely we sing aloud in church. In the, you know, in our congregations. In our beds. Sing aloud. You know, right now it's probably the only place you can sing aloud. Or that or the car, but they didn't have cars then. And I and I taught this for a long time. Maybe you maybe you heard me teach it that that spoke about the rest of faith because that was my take on it that was my theological understanding that was my yes he's speaking about beds speak of faith and the rest of faith so he's speaking about singing aloud from that place of faith and there's a truth to that isn't there it's good it's good it's good teaching because i'm trying to spiritualize it But, you know, since lockdown, now I see what he's talking about. You see, I think there's so much in this book that as we get deeper into the, the last days, the things that seem that little bit, what does that mean? All of a sudden, oh, that's what it means. Oh. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. And I just said that's probably the one place that you can because you can't do it here tonight unless you break the law. What law? Who makes laws? The kings of the earth and the rulers. Take counsel together. And they make laws. And this week the law is you can go to a pub go to a restaurant, you can go anywhere you want, but you can't visit your granny. <laughs> can't visit your granny. As we're not government bashing folks, but we have to see what's going on. He says here, let them sing aloud upon their beds, and here's where we realize what he's saying. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And the high praises of God, it means a full-throated, proper Verbal release of praise. Full-throated. 
and a two-edged sword in their hand. Two-edged sword? The two-edged sword is really interesting because in the Greek, when it speaks about the two-edged sword, and in the Hebrew too, it, it, it means two-edged, and I, both edges are sharp, but when you go into the actual Greek and the actual Hebrew, it means two-mouthed. A two-mouthed sword. So in other words, it's all about verbalizing what God says. And it's one mouth when he releases it and he spoke it into being and R.L. Allen, the Bible publishers, or whoever published your Bible, published your Bible and put it into print form. And why did they do that? So that you could be the next mouth to speak it, the mouth that speaks it in agreement with God the Father, and then it becomes two-mouthed, two-edged. Then it becomes prophetic decree in the earth. And then it releases God's power to bring about what he said. And if this is sitting in your bookshelf or in your coffee table or under your bed or where you can't find it, it's not a two-mouthed sword. It's just a one-mouthed sword. And it's ineffective right now until you pick it up and use it. I like those films. You know, sword and swordplay, Conan the Barbarian, or, or, or ones about samurais. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're swordsmen of excellence. I like those. I like those films. And and you know, if you if you've ever trained with a sword, and of course you start off and you're lucky if you don't hit yourself in the head with it or stab yourself or whatever. But it's like everything else, every other skill. The more you do it, the more you practice, the more you master it. You know, there was a man, one of David's mighty men, I believe, and he fought a battle and he fought so fervently. The Bible says that his sword cleaved to his hand. I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share it now. Years ago, uh, I had a, an experience in my, my bedroom. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the edited condensed version. I came out of my body, and Satan was there in my bedroom. Now, I was out of my body, I was in my bedroom, but I was also in the spirit realm. Okay, I was in the spirit realm, and, and the nature of Satan is, is so powerful sheets of power were coming out and it was fear I recognized it that's fear and I was scared and I knew he'd come to claim me I wasn't a, a saved very long and I fell down before him not in worship I just the sheer power and I'm in my bedroom and my bed's there yeah there and as I looked down I see dust because I'm in my bedroom but I'm also in the spirit realm if that makes sense and there was dust there and I'm and Satan's there and he's just so and he's towering over me and and I'm thinking that's me I'm, what, what am I going to do and I turned round and behind me was my angel 
standing there looking at me. And I said, well, I don't know if I said it or just thought, I, I really don't know, but, I, but I, I'll tell you what I thought, and I might have said it, was, why is he not helping? Here I am, Satan's towering over me. He's my, I knew he was my angel. Why is he not helping? Maybe I said it to him. But as I looked at him, he went like that, pointed, over my shoulder, so I, I turned around, looked, and in the dust was a sword, and it started gleaming. And something came over, I, I can only describe it as rage. You know, there used to be that thing, the berserkers, or the Incredible Hulk, where just, you're filled with rage. So I suddenly became filled with rage, grabbed the sword, and as, as I leapt to my feet, here's what came through my mind. I don't care if I'll ever die, but I'm going to damage this devil before I go. Revelation chapter 12, and he overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives. See, if you want to save your life at this time, this is not the place. This is not your calling. Although it is your calling. You can't save yourself and walk in this thing that God has done. Never have been able to do it. Jesus says he that seeks to save his life shall lose it. But if you, if you count your life as forfeit, Paul says, uh, I'm an apostle. Oh, by the way, we're appointed unto death. It's a death sentence being an apostle. It's a death sentence being a Christian at certain times. And we might be entering those times. It was for our covenant and forebears. So I jumped up anyway, and I rushed towards the devil, and he took off. Why? Because his nature's fear. He wasn't scared of me, but I tell you what, he was scared of what I had in my hand. So I comes back into my body, and then after that, for quite some period of time, uh, people were coming up and giving me prophetic words. I see a sword in your hand. Blah, 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 blah. I've got, you know, visions, prophecies. And here's the thing. For many a number of years after that, I felt that sword in my hand. I felt it in my hand. I just had to stop and think, and I could feel it like I had a physical sword in my hand. And this went on for a number of years. And one day I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't feel that sword anymore. Why is that? He said, it's not in your hand anymore. It's in your mouth. why am I saying that? Because if you get proficient with this two-edged sword, if you get skilled at using it, if you become a master swordsman, a samurai, if you like, for God, it doesn't be a, it's not a sword anymore. It's a scepter. It becomes governmental. It becomes, you see, Psalm 1 speaks about blessings of man, that the law of the Lord is his delight. He's meditating God's word. Why do we need that? Because people who will put God's word in their mouth and understand it as a two-edged sword. See, we had the spiritual warfare phase, didn't we? 
And a lot of it, let's be honest, was just mental Nintendo. <laughs> Wasn't it? You get these people come along, you know, the flaky folks. Pastor, everything's wonderful. Why is that? Last night I bound every demon in Glasgow. <laughs> and so we can walk in and take the land. You ever met people like that? Maybe God's delivered you from that. But we've all, we all understand flakiness, am I right? But we're not talking about flakiness, we're talking about genuine, authentic understanding. You see, if, you're a, if you join the army and you show any kind of ability as a private, they'll make you a corporal pretty quickly. And then you can move through the ranks. But let me tell you, if you're somebody with a heart to do damage to the kingdom of darkness, you can do far more in the war room in the throne room than you can in the trenches. You might be an effective prayer warrior, spiritual warrior, eh, spiritual warfare, whatever. But God is calling us all to move from that. Young men are trained. It says that the, the young men know how to fight the devil in John's epistle. So they're proficient at spiritual warfare. Young Christians, they learn that. But fathers, fathers don't go to war. Generals and field marshals don't go to war and fight amongst the troops because their wisdom is needed in the war room, in the throne room, in the command center. And God is saying to us tonight, be a governmental assembly, not a church that plays religious games. Be a people that, see, that, that's for me, that, the throne. We're not talking arrogance here. He that ascends the hill of the Lord has to be humble. Humility is the pathway to the throne. But so is boldness. Come boldly. See, when you come boldly before the throne of grace, what does he say to you? Bert, sit at my left hand. Stevie, sit at my right hand. Alec, there's a place for you over here. Margaret, you sit here. When you come boldly, he says, there's a place seated with me. Positionally, legally, it belongs to us. But experientially, he says, there's only one thing that I require. Can you drink of the cup? And it's a baptism. And, it's, and baptism just means immersion. In other words, as Stevie said, this is not a visitation, playing games. Oh, that sounds good. Aye, that's great. It's habitation. It's dwelling. He that dwelleth, he'll unveil in the secret place, shall abide, and will walk impervious to everything that and what does it say about that person? He shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion, which means the roaring lion, do we know what that means? And the dragon shall he trample under feet. God is looking for a people who will live beyond the veil and looking for a people in whom he, he can inhabit. That we will make him our dwelling place and he will make us his dwelling place. 
That's your new life. Well, praise. Anyway, let's look at this. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. So there you are lying in your bed or in your prayer closet. You're in your bedroom. You're in your, that wee place you go. It might be your car. And you're praising God. And you've got your Bible in your hand. And you think, well, that's just me living my wee life before the Lord. Not making much of an impact. Just me and God. Me and, me and, Lord, me and Jesus. Jesus and me. But you see, if you position yourself and move beyond that paradigm, paradigm and say, well, you know, it, I'm not just here in my wee car, here in my wee prayer closet, lying in my bed, reading my daily light. No, no, I'm going to do what they said at that meeting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go beyond the veil. I'm, I'm going to dare to say, Lord, you've called me to be governmental in the earth. It's not just Jesus and me through all life's sorrows anymore. It's Jesus and me for the purpose of God, which is to bring the kingdom of God to earth and that God's will be done in every area and facet of society. That's, that's now my new purpose. So you do it with intentionality. So you say, Lord, I need to move on into what you've called me to do, which is your purpose, which is governance. Taking dominion. Well, what's the warrant for that? Well, you know, come to these meetings and find out. But here's what it says here. Let the high praise of God be in the mouth of two edges sword in their hand. Here's the reason to execute vengeance upon the nations. And punishments upon the people. Oh, but that doesn't sound very nice. That's not very Christian. It's Bible. And Jesus has a sharp sword going out of his mouth that with it he should smite the nations. And that's Jesus. That, that, that's not, oh, that's the Old Testament. No, that's Jesus in the New Testament in the very last book. Why would he smite the nations? Because the nations are rebelling. And it says in Psalm 2, ask of me and I'll give you these nations for your inheritance. Who wants the inheritance? To inherit tonight. I'm an, inher I'm an inheritor. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. But what are, what are we inheriting? The nations. We're inheriting Scotland. We're inheriting Britain. We're inheriting every... We're, we're, we're assembling sheep nations into the fold that God has and says, well, these are my nations, the goat nations, good luck. You're going to need it. But I want my nation to be one of those nations where he says, I'm going to bless you because you straightened out the problem. Speaking to the remnant, you straightened out the problem in your nation and brought it under the kingdom and dominion and authority of the Lord at Yahweh's right hand. And said, Lord, 
We will not rest. We will not in any way stop until this nation becomes your footstool. You know, when they made thrones in Bible times, they made them so high that you had to have a footstool because your feet wouldn't touch, your feet would be dangling. That's why Jesus says, <laughs> that's why Jesus says, and that, I'm not having a go at you if you're, if you're short. I need a footstool, he says. I've got a throne, but I need a footstool. And you know what? Kings never made their own footstools. They always had someone else do it for them. Who's going to make Scotland the footstool, the comfy place for Jesus to put his feet? It's not the angels. The angels will help. Help being the operative word. You see, that angel could have maybe run off Satan that night in my bedroom. But he helped me be pointing to the sword. And you know what he's really saying, I guess? That's your job, son. Yeah. I don't get to wield that sword. I'm just an angel. But you do. And where is the sword? In the dust. See, I'm down in the dust. And to be in the dust, back in Bible times, was to be in a position of grief and mourning and feeling sorrow. Things are so bad now. The devil's in my bedroom. And he's powerful. We're like that. Oh, the coronavirus. Oh, my God, where's my mask? I can't go out. <laughs> I can't go to Tesco without my mask. Oh, I dare not. I dare not. And, and what will happen if they see you without your mask? We need to rise from the dust. Because we're not, and, you, and it says it in Isaiah chapter 52, arise and sit upon your throne of glory, is what it says. Verse 2, arise and sit upon your place of prominence. God is saying to us tonight, arise and sit, it's, a, it's almost like a contradiction, isn't it? You don't arise to sit unless you're in the dust. And the dust signifies the flesh, the Adamic nature, which is fear and misery and depression and poverty and sickness and death. And oh, what's going to happen, Lord? He says, get up from there. Go and sit on a throne. Yes, amen. Do something useful. We don't sit in thrones so we can lord it over others. We sit in thrones so we can be the deliverer of others. He says here, watch, I need to finish this. To execute vengeance upon the heathen, punishments upon the people. Well, we just heard that the heathen, the nations were in tumult. And what we are saying is, sit down and be quiet. That's what heaven is waiting for his governmental assembly to say tonight in the earth. Sit down and be quiet. We're not doing that from a place of haughtiness or arrogance. And we're certainly not going to go up to Holyrood or Dirty Number 10, wear placards <laughs> and, and, and protest. 
We're not protesters, brothers and sisters. And where do we do this? <coughs> Upon our beds. And in places like this. But you know, you don't need to do it in places like this. That's, that's the wonderful message. That's, that's, that's the liberating message. You can do this in your bedroom. You can do this in Asda. You can do this as you live your normal life because being a governmental assembly, being a king and priest in the earth, being part of the man-child company is your normal life. It's not, oh, well, you know, we have to go to seminary, we have to go to Bible college, we, we, have, we have to fast for 40 days. He's saying this is normal life. This is the new normal. Being the royal priesthood. Then he says this, watch this, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. The very thing they're trying to cast off He's telling us, get them back on. Amen. Well, how can we do that? You know, we only get to vote once every... We're not talking here about the ballot box. God's already had an election. And you and I were elected. <laughs> we're the rulers. We're the check and balance. You see, if they're doing everything right, and, you, and they're godly, and, 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 and like at one stage... In the Houses of Parliament, they used to debate scripture because they were all godly folks. If they're doing their job right, we don't need to do our job. But let me ask you a question. Are they doing their job right? The number one problem on planet Earth right now is corrupt, decadent, wicked governments. And the way we handle them is God's way. We're not forming a militia here. We're not handing out rifles. And we're not going to do stupid, crazy things and placards and, you know, do stupid things. Terrorism. The only terror we are going to be wielding is the terror of the Lord. Because governments that have the fear and terror of the Lord upon them will never make laws against them. And never make laws that persecute his people. So the best thing you can pray for your government in Westminster and Holyrood and anywhere else, your local council, is that the fear of the Lord come upon them. And watch this, he says this, to execute upon them, upon who? The people and the kings and the rulers and all those MPs, politicians, elected officials, blah, 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 the judgment written. In other words, back to the book. Now, that's a wonderful thing. Yes, amen. I'm all for it. But that's for guys like Robert Henderson and Kenneth Copeland, and, uh, Lance Walnow, all these guys that, that, you know, big ministries, even pastors, ministers. That's their job. That's what they get paid for. But me, I'm just a wee Christian. I'm just, you know, I'm the least of all saints. This honor, what honor? To bind kings, to execute vengeance, to bring punishments, to, in other words, to be a ruler and a king and a priest and bring the power of God and authority of God that you have to bear against wicked governments. This honor have all his saints, Amen. not fivefold ministers, everybody, the weakest of saints, 
That's God's check and balance. That if you have a wicked ruler that you can't get out through the ballot box or any other means. You see, you don't have access tonight to Boris Johnson, to Donald Trump, to Nicola Sturgeon. You don't have the personal mobile number, the red phone number. You don't even have their email. You, you can't have access to them. But here's the good news. You have access to their boss. You can go above them. In fact, why would you even bother with them? You know, when I get into a store and I don't get the satisfaction or, or service that I want, my first question is, who rules here? Who, who's in charge? I don't want to speak to some wee lassie behind the counter. I want to speak to the manager. I don't want to speak to one of the smaller, lower ranks. I want to speak to. You, you, he says, come boldly. Hey, come on. Get in here. And, and, and here's the thing. This is the thing. Bert's mentioned horizontal. I'm, I'm going to close this. Don't worry. He spoke, Bert spoke about horizontal. And the Lord was showing me this. You see, our, the paradigm we've walked in has been, oh Lord, oh sorry, oh Lord, up there, in the distant heavens, do something. We need your help. But here's the paradigm God wants us to walk in. Now, Jesus, we've got a problem here. This, this government, it's not vertical. If you're seated, Ruth is not shouting up to Bert up in the gallery, up in the balcony. Because Bert, Ruth, eh, Bert is seated next to Ruth. She only has to turn her head. And she doesn't need to shout, scream, ball or squall. Because he's right next. He's right there. When you see him as a distant, you know, forbidding, angry God, that you must placate. That's the old wineskin. It's actually old covenant. But when you realize, you know, he's, he's raised me up to sit with him in heavenly places so that I didn't have to shout to be heard. Now you may say, well, that's all nice and well, but in the real world we live in, that, that's the problem. We live in the real world. But there's a world more real. And we've been given access to that beyond the veil. We've been given access to the heavenly realms of glory, to the very throne room. And we're not, it's not a visitation. Oh, I'll need to get into the throne room. No, no, no. He says, don't, don't, don't go away. Don't go away. Don't go back down to that lower level. And certainly don't go back down to the dust. There's a throne of glory for you. younger brother Benjamin was given access to Joseph in the palace where he sat at the right hand of Pharaoh and he didn't want Benjamin to leave 
God is calling the younger brother, the man-child, the Benjamin Company, whatever you want to call it. There's so many names for it in Scripture, the perfect man in Ephesians 4. The manifest sons. You see, the manifest sons means it says creation longs for them, groans for them. The manifest sons means manifest. Nobody's doubting anymore. You're not hidden. You walk out there, well, I heard she was a Christian. It'll be mad. The sons of God are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. The manifest sons of God are those who bring peace to the earth. And peace cannot come any other way except through governance and authority and dominion. Stop being the church is God's message. As we understand church, start being the ecclesia. If that puts your nose out of joint... It ought to, and it's put all our noses at a joint because we thought we were doing well. Amen. And you've had good church meet. Yes, amen. God's blessing the work. God only blesses what God begins and orders. So we maybe need to make adjustments in our individual lives in our churches. But you know, you can be the ecclesia it's not about meetings and it's not about buildings and it's not even about assemblies and congregations that's important and it's part of it it's a big part of it but he's telling us here we can govern on the earth from heaven in our mundane everyday lives in our bedrooms it's about shifting our, our mindset to say no longer you, you know but how do you, how do you go beyond the veil by faith what everything is do I feel like I'm beyond it? Oh, let me see. Am I seeing angels? No, no, you might not see them. Because it's not about what you imagine. It's about what's real. And you'll, you'll see stuff. Don't worry about that. But if you seek to see the stuff first, you feel the feelings first, take it by faith and say, Lord, I am now part of that governmental assembly. I accept the mantle of governing the nations, of leading the nations. Jesus said... All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore and disciple these nations. Multitudes and nations are your destiny, child of God, if you'll step into it. Amen. Who wants to finish?